Hi, I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Troy Cooper about how churches are mobilizing workers for movements locally and around the world. One of the things that has uh, been most exciting for me is just seeing how legacy churches are continuing to participate in equipping and mobilizing their people locally mm-hmm. for movements. But now we're starting to see some of them uh, equip and mobilize their people globally okay. to send them overseas uh, as full-time supported missionaries um, embedding them on catalytic teams in the heart of movements over in South Asia. And um, so <laughs> it's exciting when we, you know, I think I've mentioned before, we're, we're praying and fasting for these, these churches of peace. I know that's not, not a term in the Bible, but um, just these, these God-prepared churches whose leadership is, is broken for lostness, and they have a God-sized vision, and they're actually wanting training. Um, when we find those churches, um, we're discovering that they typically have uh, three different areas of interest. Mm-hmm. For training. Um, one is disciple making. Hey, come and help us learn how to make disciples. We, we see the Great Commission. We want to make disciples. And usually they're, um, they're using a, an evangelism tool or training that's, that's not very reproducing and it's disconnected from their discipleship materials, which usually costs money. Uh, or so disciple making is one. Church planting is another. I mean, there's a growing desire among churches in North America to want to plant other churches. In fact, here in, uh, in, in Florida, I think the Florida Baptist Convention, they are uh, funding churches that are planting churches. They are devoting their church planting strategy to going through existing churches because they see those as being healthy. So, so they're wanting to plant churches. A lot of times I would say the majority of the church planting strategies that, that folks are using is shepherd-driven versus, um, you know, a pioneering model or an apostolic model that, you know, just starting churches by reaching lost people. Um, so church planting is the second area they're interested in. Well, the third area is they're wanting to mobilize missionaries from their, their church. Hey, we, we've got a vision to mobilize, you know, 50 units over to, to India in the next 10 years. So what we believe our role then is, you know, we want to pray for those, those, uh, those churches and those leaders. Um, we want to serve them through training and coaching, but we're going to go at their pace. So if they're saying, hey, um, come in and we want to do disciple make. All right we're going to come in and we're going to train you in disciple making because uh, we believe that as they, if they start obeying Jesus in their disciple making, it grows uh, their vision for then church planning and missions mobilization. Because we see all, you know, when you look at the scriptures and acts, it's disciple making leads to church planning, which leads acts 13 to missions mobilization. So, um, so we want to serve them at their pace. And then the last thing we want to do is, is learn from what God's doing from them and, and apply it to you know, other people that we're serving. And the entry point of contact with these churches typically is uh, the three touches, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. three touches of training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they reach out to us and um, 
you know, we talk to them and they fit the criteria for us. We go right into the three touches with the weekly rollouts in between. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and people can go back, we'll post a link to that okay. three touch training. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're identifying is that's happening at those three levels, you know, mm-hmm. You're seeing churches get out into the community and make disciples amongst people who are far from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're helping them uh, plant churches. And then thirdly, you're seeing that some of these churches that you're training are, are gearing up for missions, cross-cultural overseas missions mobilization. That's right, which is most exciting. I mean, that's a part, for, you know, as far as us laboring here in North America, um, you know, God's heart is for the nation. So we want to see movement here. But when we begin to see, you know, just, just being open-handed and letting the Holy Spirit lead, he is beginning to take catalytic leaders from these teams and mobilize them over to, uh, to finish the task globally. So we didn't originally set this up as a mobilization strategy, but I think the fact that we have a U.S. strategy or North American strategy, um, it's turning into um, we're mobilizing the right kind of people. Mm. Um, you know, for example, uh, one couple that is serving, I can't mention their names, but they're serving over in South Asia was mobilized out of a church in Texas. And, um, they, they, within six months have already seen fourth generation churches. And he is now a team leader within that organization. I was just recently with Steve Smith in Denver at the GACX conference. And, uh, we were talking about this over breakfast and he articulates it as four stages for mobilization that we would have. Uh, home hubs here in the U.S. where you've got active catalytic teams, um, whether it's through mission organizations, like I know we're working with uh, Adam Gaucho of Greater Europe Mission up in Chicago to try to help them establish um, an active catalytic team up in Chicago that they can mobilize out of, um, or it's through it's through existing churches. It doesn't have to be a mission organization. Um, it can be uh, an existing church. Um, but so you've got the home hub that's, that's an active catalytic team that's pursuing movement right there. And then you've got the, the field hub. Uh, so let's say there's a, a missionary team overseas that's, um, you know, that's actively pursuing, pursuing movement, but they're receiving these, um, these catalytic leaders uh, from, from the North American home hubs, or it can be home hubs in other parts of the world too. But they're receiving the missionaries. They can plug them in on active teams and then from there, they can mobilize them uh, towards a team that's pursuing an active UPG. UPG? So unreached people group. Okay. And uh, then from there, they can uh, mobilize folks to go after the unengaged unreached people groups so or the UPGs. And uh, so really setting up a, a pipeline of leaders to, uh, to go after finishing the task. I think the thing I've learned too, mentioned earlier, you know, let's go at the pace of the leadership. A lot of them are not there yet. They're not there on the mission mobilization. They're not there yet, even on the church planting. It's scary, but man, we're, they're there on making disciples. And so what I've discovered is, man, if they start obeying Jesus at any one of those phases, um, he's going to enlarge their vision and, um, and, and then their practice. So that's why we go in for, I'll, I'll just give you a couple examples. Um, you know, with the church in Tulsa that we've talked quite a bit about, with Cedar Ridge uh, Christian Church and Brian King and Pastor Greg Pittman there, when they brought us in, we weren't talking about church planning or mobil- missions mobilization. We were talking about disciple making. They had a vision to see a thousand new disciples made. Um, so we went in and served that. But then as they began to obey Jesus locally, we discovered they also had 
a missions vision. They wanted to mobilize 50 units over to um, Asia over the next 10 years. And, but their plan was to sub that out uh, to some other organizations. Well, then once they discovered, wow, we've got our people making disciples, do you, and we're the ones that are training them now, could, could we mobilize our own missionaries? So we began to talk to them about, um, yeah, <laughs> you can. Let's, let, let's help you train your own people for mission mobilization. So now they are not only actively making disciples, but they're on a track through a, a we, we help them set up a church planting residency program or missionary residency program within their church where they're on track to mobilize 50 units over to India. And as a result of that, now it's brought up the church planting. Now they're open to begin planting churches. Um, that's one example. Another example would, would be the family church example. They came in and said, hey, we want you to help us with the vision to start 100 churches in South Florida. Okay, let's come back and talk about disciple making. Because how you make disciples will affect the type of churches that you're going to plant. And so as we began to go, I mean, and they, you know, they already had the three circles um, tool, but we helped them with, you know, thinking through a four fields process and commands of Christ. So, you know, discipleship tools. So, and they already had a, a church planter residency, but now these, this, this four fields process with some reproducing tools is plugged into not only are they training all their, you know, all the believers in their church to make disciples and have seen some radical fruit, um, but it's, it's impacting and affecting their church planter residency to where now um, they are planting what they call seed churches, which have zero budget, zero building, bivocational leadership, and they're actually, believe it or not, Steve, this is going to blow your mind, they are starting churches by reaching lost people with the gospel. And, uh, and, and what's even more exciting is, you know, two and a half years ago, they didn't have a missions department. Now they've got a pastor over missions and they're actively pursuing unreached people groups. So, you know, they had the heart for church planning, but man, they went back to disciple making. It changed how they planted churches. Now they're going after unreached people groups because that's God's heart, isn't it? And, and yes, it is. Um, <laughs> and they're being energized, not, not by your infectious personality or not, not just by your, it, they're being energized because they're seeing God at work. Because mm -hmm. I've often felt that one of the reasons why the whole vision thing can can be such a empty uh, process to come up with a vision is people aren't engaged in a way where they see God actively engaged in, in changing lives. Mm -hmm. As that happens, they're beginning to to broaden the vision rather than just you've got a program you're pushing them down the corridor for. Yeah, for them, in their case, once they started to roll out the, the disciple-making training, you know, their baptisms from the previous year tripled in six months. They had multiple streams of seventh-generation disciples, and um, I think they're up over 800 baptisms in the last two and a half years now. Um, in South, and 100% and, and of them are people making disciples in the community. So, yeah, so the fruit sold them. It wasn't like, oh, that's a cool package process. It was they saw their people actively engaged. And, um, and I think it's just and, the beginning. I think it just for anyone listening who's got responsibility for a legacy church, um, that 
the first goal ought to be, can we see some fruit in the harvest of disciples? Uh, um, can, can we see God's activity around us? That's going to unfreeze everybody for a greater vision. You don't have to start with the grand strategy. You can actually start with, well, let's go find someone far from God and share with them. That's good. Is that what, you, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. But then it leads on to a great commission vision. That's right. That's right. Now, you mentioned a little bit before the whole residency thing. What, what's that looking like? What, tell us a bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we believe when we look at the scriptures and we see Ephesians 4, that God's given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And, um, you know, we, the fifth gift with bloggers or, or an authors. Yeah. That's a sixth one. Yeah. Bloggers and authors. One, yeah. yeah. We call them the BAs. Yeah. Bloggers and authors. Um, they're important. Mm. Um, and it's an equipping gift. So, you know, you're living that out. Um, but you know, we would, we, we would separate them out. Um, we disagree with ourselves when we say this, but it just kind of simplifies things. We've got your apes and your, you know, your STs, um, your pioneers and your, your shepherd sustainers. And, uh, and those are supposed to be equipping gifts. Well, what we've seen is that there are apes in every church. Mm-hmm. There are pioneers in every church, but a lot of them, they're not involved in ministry. Um, they're because the majority of, of leadership is shepherd leadership. And uh, they have a tendency to be a little bit antagonistic with shepherds and they're very driven towards new people, new places. They want to engage the lost. Um, and, uh, and, and the other thing I think is a lot of them, you don't know that they're who the apes are because they haven't, they haven't been obeying Jesus in that way. They haven't been in the harvest. And so when we come in with these trainings, um, we actually, it actually activates the apes mm-hmm. and, um, then you've got to know what to do with them because they can be very disruptive. Uh, one example, um, you know, the organization I serve with E3 partners, one of the gals from HR department, she's like, man, you guys are bringing a ton of people on, uh, on staff here going after movement. I want to see what you're doing. So she came to one of our trainings and um, her husband, she and her husband, Evan uh, came to a four day training in South Florida. And, and uh, we had planned to, and for our time, we go out and harvest and they were like, eh, it's not really our style where they were going to try to get out of it. Um, they told me that later, um, but they went out in the harvest mm. and, um, you know, uh, Tony, a guy from the Canadian team went out and modeled in the harvest for them first. So they saw it modeled and then Evan gave it a try. And it was like something in him changed. Uh, it was like a switch was turned on and he began to right there on the spot, go and share the gospel. Hmm. It even got to a point where we were like, Hey, it's time to go. He stops a guy on his bicycle and draws the three circles on his wife's, you know, uses his wife's back as like, as like a, a boy. He draws the three circles. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, here we have a guy that was trying to avoid. Now he's, you know, he's stopping people on bicycles. We've just discovered an evangelist. And, and in fact, it, he's just discovered. <laughs> that's right. That's he didn't know. Amazing thing to me. That's right. No, right. he was an evangelist until God pushed him, gave him a nudge. That's right. He, he got the tools, he got it in the harvest and it, and it, it, it was like it activated him. So, um, and then I just, I spoke to her a, a couple months ago and, and so here we are, 
uh, you know, eight months, seven months after that, and he's still actively sharing the gospel. She said, when we go out on dates and different things, she's like, I got to add an hour to our time because he will not stop sharing the gospel with people. Well, imagine that guy going back to his small group. What's he going to do in that small group? Mm. Hey, guys, we got to go out. We got to share the gospel, you know? And then for the first week, you're like, that's cool. And the second week, okay. Third week, all right, you're killing me. Mm. Or this guy going to his pastor, Pat, we got to, man, we got to make subs. We got to go out and harvest, you know? So you need to know what to do with these people once they're activated. And uh, we learned this from, from Ron Surgeon and the way they're rolling things out in Memphis is the, the goal is, you know, train and find those people, gather them together in a catalytic team. We talked about that last time together in the previous episode, um, the importance of forming these teams. Um, so then the, the question is, so, so that's, that's kind of how we roll it out, training, you find these people, but then it's like, all right, what do you, what's next? I mean, do we just, you know, we, we've got these, these teams that are there. You're like, where, where is this going when you've got, you know, a legacy church? And um, so we learned from uh, Antioch Church out in Waco, um, Jimmy Seibert, um, they have a, a church out in Los Angeles, um, Epicenter Church with John and Evelyn Lowe. And this, this church network has just done an amazing job of implementing um, T4T principles. And, uh, but the, one of the things they do really well is they train and mobilize missionaries out of these churches. It's like every single church, their vision is to mobilize a certain percentage mm. of people out of their church to the mission field. Mm-hmm. And so we did a... I got to spend some time with John and Evelyn last, last spring. I was there with Maya to cast vision for 120 pastors in Los Angeles area to, to set up a training that the Austin guys were going to go out and, and lead. And um, so, but I learned from John and Evelyn about this residency program that they had where they're training and mobilizing their own people mm. for global missions. And so we, we just, you know, brought John in. We wanted to learn from him and he began to share um, essentially um, you know, if you've got a vision and you've, you've got a, you know, a, a simple plan or process, he's like, you just need to do it. <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't try to start it off perfect. You know, you can work through all the details. He said, you just need to do it. And one of the guys on the call is a guy named Justin White, who's the, he's the strategy leader for, for, for Raleigh. Um, he's the, the no place left guy that's there in Raleigh. And, um, and so Justin, um, he really believed that was something God wanted him to do. So he began to pioneer it through his, his local church there, and um, he's closely connected with um, Dr. George Robinson, who um, is, is definitely a movement guy there at Southeastern. And um, he and I, uh, Justin and I, just, we hammered it out over Denny's one, one time, like four in the morning, about what would this look like? And uh, what we came up with was not rocket science. You mm-hmm. know, it was really simple. It's like, well, what are we already doing? Yeah. Let's not change this. What are we doing? And then just, you know, call it a residency. Um, so uh, the what we do, it's, it's what we're already doing. We're meeting weekly for Team Church. Mm-hmm. We're meeting weekly to go out in the harvest. And we're setting aside a weekly time for these people to train others because we need to see that they can train. Mm. So that's the, that's the weekly rhythm of, a resident, of the residency. We're asking for seven hours a seven hour commitment each week that they have a, a weekly uh, three thirds gathering. We're calling it where it's church. You know, they're calling it team church or Timothy church. But, hey, this is a church gathering so that they're learning everything within the context of a three thirds gathering mm-hmm. uh, that has the authority to be church. 
And, um, and we've added on to there a time of uh, intense accountability. You've heard of A-teams or, or chat groups. I think Curtis Sargent calls them. So we're using questions to kind of press into their, their personal holiness and, and growth. So that's the, you know, that's a three-hour time each week. The second thing is they're supposed to um, gather weekly with some leaders that they are passing on whatever they've learned in the, the team church time. They are supposed to gather some people together to train those folks. You know, and this is typically ga- gathering some existing Christians together. We need to see that they can train people. Um, and then, so they're just passing on. And then, so the, the, the people in the residency will go with them. So they'll assist and watch what they're doing as they're, as they're training others. And then the third uh, section of time, a two hour time block in the harvest every week. Um, So then they go out in the harvest together, they model assist and watch them out in the harvest uh, so that they can um, begin to form their own, make their own disciples and form their own churches out in the harvest. So that's a weekly rhythm. Now we're not saying, you know, they obviously can train more than two hours a week. They can be in the harvest more than two hours a week, but these are bivocational people. So we're saying if you've got this time blocked out in your schedule every week that's protected, um, then we know um, that there's, there's time and room for God to move through their obedience in those, uh, in those times. It's not going to be because time is not preventing them from obeying. So three commitments. One is the team church, which involves training. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is to be in the harvest. Uh, taking others into the heart. The, the third thing is to be training and mobilizing others. So they make those minimum commitments. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine when they're in the harvest, when they find a house of peace, then their time goes into now, how do we make disciples here and mobilize them? It's exactly right. The time they, they back off searching for the house of peace because they've found one. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and we still see that as harvest time. It's just now they're they're developing disciples and, and forming churches in the harvest. Yeah, and um, so so that's what the weekly rhythm looks like, and that's what we're already asking these other bivocational teams to do, right? So we're not changing anything, and then the content. And, and I'm guessing. To, I mean, that seven hours. If 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 a committed lay person pulled out of their current responsibilities in a local church, they could come up with those seven hours. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the whole thought behind this was, okay, you've got Awanas. All right. You've got choir. And oh, by the way, we've got a movement catalyzing ministry. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the time commitment is not now what we are seeing is that people are, are loving the time and they're wanting to make more time for it as they're engaging in it. Um, as far as content goes, um, during their, what are they receiving in team church? They're starting off with your basic, you know, L1 tool. We use the 411 training the first week, and then they go right into the commands of Christ. And, uh, and then later on in the first semester, um, you know, they're getting the Acts study, you know, seeing the five parts and four fields in Acts, seeing the five parts and four fields in the Gospels. Um, we, the, their weekly uh, reading assignment is just, it's scripture. So there's a, a high volume of scripture that they have to read um, during their weekly homework. Um, and uh, then we'll do a, an iron on iron a coaching session um, later on in the first semester. Um, then we transition second semester into long-term discipleship and bringing some of the other modules in. Um, 
The other thing that's really interesting in this, Steve, is um, Southeastern Seminary, uh, Dr. George Robinson has helped Mm -hmm. set this up. Southeastern Seminary is offering for folks who complete this program, I'm sorry, I called it a program, complete this residency, um, they can get 36 credit hours towards um, a graduate degree. And uh, they just have to obviously pay for the hours and there's some extra reading and writing they have to do. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a growing um, trend, which is exciting that the local church is now starting to take ownership of training and mobilizing their own people hmm. for local and global uh, movements. And so that, that's what we say the vision. The vision is to equip churches to uh, equip and mobilize their people for local and glo- global movements. Yeah. So we're able to send from these <laughs> these home hubs or these legacy churches, um, we're able to mobilize them over into an active movement to serve on a team. Mm. And uh, so they can continue to grow and learn and develop as a leader in the heart of a movement. And then from there, be mobilized to any, any part of the world uh, to begin going after movement. So that's how we're raising up teams. That's how we're raising up team leaders. Um, so that's why it's you know an important part of the residency is we want them to go over to India to to learn from what's going on over there to help with trainings over there they'll see the training is almost identical identical but it also gives you know the guys over in India a chance to kind of um, you know check these folks out and give us feedback on things that they need to develop in year two um, so there's an ongoing relationship with uh, the leaders and the locations where we're mobilizing them to so just if we Take the 30,000 foot view. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got these three touches of training over six to nine months, mm-hmm. and that's repeated training in the context of local churches, helping them raise up teams of practitioners and trainers. Mm-hmm. As you do that and they see God at work in their local community, they, they start getting excited about um, world missions and about, hey, we can plant churches now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're bringing some form and structure to how they can be growing leaders in, in a local context mm-hmm. who know how to share the gospel, make disciples, plant churches. That's then springboarding into world missions or being released and sent out to, to plant churches around the U.S., that's right. And, and so you're putting in place the sort of stepping stones, the building blocks, really for what a disciple-making church planting movement should look like. Mm. And you're also very open to anyone watching and learning from what's happening, and they can go do this in their own way, you know, put, put their own label on it. But what it's doing is preparing the way really for a whole new wave of uh, gospel, discipleship, churches, uh, world missions. That's right. Mm. And, and that's just how it's, it's – this personally was not my plan. Um, mm. No, you're just, not smart enough to come up with this. No, of course not. Yeah, you know that. But I think as this has progressed, we're, again, that whole learning part – you know, pray, serve, and learn. Uh, we're learning from these churches, mm. and uh, we're learning from the harvest, and this is just how it's progressed. Um, 
you know, right now we've got three active residencies that launched this fall. A fourth one is coming on. Um, and two of the three were, they did three touches of training and this was the outcome. So these are churches that weren't even pursuing movements until this time last year. Mm. Um, you know, the Tulsa church mm. went through three touches. They had a mid-level and they had that vision to mobilize 50 units. And um, they've already, the, the, in August, they took a trip over to, uh, to India and uh, the, the elders, and they just were blown away by what God is doing there. They have 12 members that are part of the, the first residency launch, and uh, a decent percentage of them are there because they want to be mobilized over to India. But you've got some others that want to, they want to do this locally. Mm. Um, so I think it's healthy for both. Uh, um, and the other thing that's exciting is the residency is being run by a layperson, uh, Mike Dennis. He's, you know, he's got a, 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 he's a business owner. And so you've got a church member that's running the residency, uh, providing leadership within the church. So the thing to hear in there too, is it's not costing them anything. <laughs> um, this is, uh, it, it's, it's an affordable way to, uh, not that that matters, but I just, I just want to mention it. It's not costing tens or hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. Um, it's just, it's, it's, I would say, you know, we're not charging anything, but it's going to cost you your life. Mm. Uh, that's the cost. Um, the then second you're being one sent out from a church where others are being mobilized. Um, they're going to see what God is doing and they're going to want to support missionaries that have come from that sort of context. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm. So now imagine it, you know, the, in the culture of the church, you've got kids growing up in the youth group. Yeah. You know, and they're hearing about their own people that are going over and doing these things, you know, that this, this family has been mobilized overseas. Well, now you've got a vision for the kids growing up in the church that, that we are a great, that's normal for them. That's going to be the water they're swimming in. But they're a great commission church that makes disciples, start churches, and mobilizes missionaries. So the whole, uh, you know, pray, give, or go, that becomes a reality for these people that it can happen within the context of that church, that they don't have to leave in order to do this, that they can all happen right there. And so our passion is, you know, we want to train them so that they can do this themselves, and then we move on. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to learn more, then visit coopersonamission.com. This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.